welcome to Disciple Making Mama, a podcast to encourage, inspire, and equip you to make disciples in your home and in the world. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Disciple Making Mama. Today it's not only me, the Disciple Making Mama, but also my husband Hanu. Hello everyone. And nice to be here again. Well, yeah. It's my house. I'm always, not always here, but <laughs> I'm usually here. But it's nice to join you again. Yeah. And as if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that if Hanu is on, things are going to be deep and <laughs> things are potentially going to be slightly controversial in, in some places, um, but things are also going to be personal. And today, I think, is going to be all of those things. We just prayed because we are aware that this is, is potentially a very heavy, a very personal topic that we're talking about, but it is also an exciting one. It is one that demonstrates and proclaims the kingdom of God like very few things. Today we're going to talk about healing and deliverance. And yeah, if you'd told us a few years ago that we would be sitting here in our living room on a Monday night and going to be sharing with the world about healing and deliverance, we would not have believed you because this is really not something that we grew up with. This is something that we desired for a long time because we saw it in the Bible and we saw the need for it all around us. But we we really didn't know where to start and what to do and what to believe. And God has just taught us a lot And so we, we just want to take you a bit on that journey, share with you what we have learned. We are by no means at the end of this journey. We by no means have all the answers. And yeah, as I, as I said, we're, we're really sharing this with an awareness that there is a lot of very, very serious sickness out there and that people have also gotten hurt. And if that is you, then we um, we we just want to want to say we we are aware of that that some Christians, sadly, and non Christians, have gotten hurt by overzealous um, Christians who maybe didn't listen to them, who didn't really care about them as people, as individuals, but just had a bit of a a mission. They just wanted to get something done and prayed for healing and then if that person wasn't healed they might have in their immaturity or in their um, lack of love um, blamed you or someone you know for not getting healed they might have found all kinds of reasons that made you doubt that God is good that God loves you that God wants you to be well and Yeah, we personally know people who, who had experiences like that. So, yeah, I just want to yeah, get that kind of off my chest before we start. If that is you, don't, don't switch off. <laughs> if, I, if I may ask you, just yeah, come along as we share a bit 
what we've learned and experienced. We have been missionaries in Japan, as you know, for five years. We've been back to South Africa now for um, a bit more than six months. And just after we arrived in Japan, we really hit a low point in almost every area of our lives. It was winter, it was cold, it was depressing. We had started language study with a lot of enthusiasm and zeal and motivation and great dedication. But after a few months, our brains were tired. We didn't see as much progress as we had seen in the beginning. And we also just you know, in the beginning, you can do kind of small talk with people. You can say, what's your name? What's your favorite food? But after a while, you've asked everyone, you know, what's your name and what's your favorite food? And yet your vocabulary hasn't increased. And so you're just stuck. And we felt very stuck in many areas because we had gone to Japan to share the gospel. And now we couldn't even share the the most in like that the smallest thing about the gospel we we like we couldn't even say god is love or something like that in the correct japanese form and round about that time we met a man called saito-san saito-san was in his late 50s and he spoke english he was one of the few people in our rural village in Japan who had a really, really good English and who was eager to practice his English. So we invited him to our house and he invited us to his house and we had long conversations. He was very, very chatty. And so we soon learned about his life. We learned that he um, had been to the US and loved it there. But after returning to Japan, his life never seemed to kind of get going get going yeah and he he struggled to keep a job he struggled he did not get married didn't have friends he didn't have any social network other than his mother and he then became very very depressed so much so that he had to go to an institution for some years he was on heavy medication and by the time we met him, he had stage four cancer. And he looked about 15 years older than what he was. Yeah, he looked uh, a sick and old and broken man. And you can imagine, we were eager. We shared the gospel with him in every way we could imagine. But every time we did, it seemed like it, it just didn't. It, it didn't register with him. If we talked about other things, there would be a response, there would be conversation. But whenever we started talking about anything spiritual, there would be a silence, a terribly awkward and often even rude silence. And then he would say something like, oh, I think it's going to rain tomorrow or something completely off topic. It was play like playing tennis and you're hitting the ball to each other in conversation and suddenly you hit the ball straight to the person, but they, they just don't hit it back. <laughs> and we realized yeah. as much as we, we know and we believe that sharing the gospel with our words is 
absolutely crucial for people to come to the knowledge of Jesus, something else was necessary with this man. And his very obvious need was physical healing, was emotional healing, was, we came more and more to the conviction, deliverance, that he was tormented by evil spirits, that those depressions and voices that he was hearing, that that was spiritual. But we didn't know what to do. He, his health deteriorated. He First he had to go again to the mental hospital, but there his physical health became so bad that he then had to go to the normal hospital where he really struggled mentally and emotionally. And after a few months, we were then again able to visit him and we were shocked. He was a dying man. And again, we spoke with him. Again, not much seemed to get to him. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed that God would heal him. And he died. And that was really shocking for us because we we just we this of course we we felt so sad for him we felt very confused and yeah we 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 just it it didn't match with so much that we read in the new testament where we saw the power of god especially in healing miracles among unbelievers so that they would come to the knowledge of Jesus. We'd read things like in Acts 8. I don't know if you want to just read that for us. Sure. <clears throat> now, they, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him, and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And we longed for that joy to come to our city. And we prayed, we fasted, we, yeah, we, we watched probably too many YouTube videos <laughs> on this topic. And then we got an email. A stranger from another continent sent us an email that reached us via many corners. I'm, I'm really just um, telling you the brief story here. That story is very long and complicated. But long story short, after this email, um, this guy and his wife came to our really remote village in Japan. He has been a missionary overseas in very hard places where there was much persecution. And he is just very experienced in healing and deliverance. And not only that, also in, in making disciples. So using this wonderful... I want to say tool. <laughs> it's a bit of a maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe talking it down. But using healing and miracles in order to get people's attention, to mm. show them the reality and the power of God, but not just leaving it there, but then making disciples who gather and 
our church together and make disciples of their own people. So we were really amazed that this guy would come to us. He had received a prophecy from someone in his church that he would be going to Japan. He had received money from various unlikely sources to pay for his ticket. And here he was. And he shared with us his personal story. He shared with us many testimonies of how people got healed after he asked Jesus to do that. Or we'll get, we'll get into the technicalities later. And he took us through the book of Luke and Acts to, to teach us about healing and deliverance. And that's what we want to do with you today. I'm going to take it from there. So. I'll reshuffle and I'll, I'll be the reader. Hanu will be the speaker. <laughs> well, I think as we were journeying through Luke with this man and his wife uh, and seeing so many things, he just highlighted a few things and shared some things from his own life. And so we thought to do the same. And so... We're going to go through, it's mostly from Luke chapters 4 and 5, and then a bit from 7, 8, 9, and 10. So I think, Anna, you can just say what passage you're reading, and then we'll just have a chat after each okay, yes. little section. Good. So I'll start with Luke 4, verses 31 to 37. And he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. What an amazing account of the, the power and authority of Jesus. That's a, a theme that I think you will hear uh, throughout these passages that we'll read is the authority and power of Jesus. Now, we all know that Jesus has authority and power, but specifically in relation to deliverance uh, from evil spirits or Evil spirits, demons, unclean spirits, the New Testament uses various ways, but basically referring to those entities, I think mostly we, we say evil spirits or demons. And Jesus basically always did one thing. He said, be quiet and get out. And so even though this demon is actually saying things that, that sound true, it sounds a lot like, something that happened to Paul on one of his journeys. He was um, 
walking and there was this slave girl following him and she was shouting oh these people they they come to you bringing a message of of from the most high god and they are messengers and when you look at it it seems like oh she's she's actually saying some truthful things even though by the power of an evil spirit but then after a while paul had enough and he also cast that evil spirit out of her and so her owners her owners got very upset so it's very similar here and i think one thing that i want to pick out from that is whatever the enemy comes with we just say be quiet we don't want to hear anything get out and so there's no there's nothing we can learn from the words of evil spirits which is very different to what maybe i don't know movies or even uh, yeah let me say weird um pictures of deliverance that one might have they they are often i think that that it's this almost this session and very special words have to be said and mm. it's usually loud and um yeah very um a, a lot has to be done by the person who wants to deliver the person who's oppressed by a demon but we see jesus not doing any like any ritual mm. or anything it like seem that very special it doesn't seem very special he simply says be quiet and get out mm. which yeah. which i think is is was very revolutionary for me i <laughs> let me just speak about myself when like even being in in ministry already um i was mentoring various people and then one of the girls that i was mentoring had also had um experiences of demonic oppression her yeah it it was related to her having relatives who were very much in the occult and they took her along to certain things that they did there was also sexual sin involved and she said to me and the counselor that was with us that I'd taken to help me because I was really feeling quite out of my depth with the situation she said I I know that there are demons that are making me do things I know I'm oppressed by demons and then the very wise godly elderly counselor said oh if if that's the case then we have to take you to a specialist then this is going to take a long time this is not something that is dealt with easily now we see jesus of course this is one could say yeah but this is jesus jesus can just say get out what what are your yeah, thoughts on I that i think i think we will answer that question straight from some of the scriptures that follow great and so we'll we'll get to we'll that continue. but that's something yeah. good to to keep in mind i just want to add here as we we jump straight into it but um, perhaps for some of you this is a bit like yeah well we know that obviously in the bible demons were there and jesus had authority he cast them out great same thing in the book of acts with the early disciples but is it still a problem for today 
And then others of you might be listening to this and think like, oh, I can skip this podcast because this is so trivial, this is so obvious. And so there's a, yeah, a bit of a, a gap between the two groups in um, the Christian circles that we've been exposed to. Some people just find that, but of course, this is just what we do. And for others, it's a bit weird, it's a bit scary. And it's a, it feels a bit like, but isn't this for specialists? We shouldn't be, uh, don't don't poke in the bee's nest. Mm -hmm. And um, I really understand that because we were both there. And it is a bee's nest. And we do not want to poke in it. But we want to follow Jesus. And we want to do what he has told us to do. And use the tools that he's given us to do it with. So it's not a stick and uh, so we're not going to poke in the bee's nest, but we are going to um, discover what Jesus uh, did command us to do. So, yeah, let's go on to the next passage, which is just the next two verses. Okay, so after now having cast out this evil spirit, Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, then, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Okay, so that was Luke chapter 4 from verse 38, 38. until 41. Yes. So interestingly here, right after this, Jesus goes to Peter's house and, oh, well, to his mother-in-law. I think it was his house, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Jesus goes and she has a fever. Now, I don't know how many of you would, if you enter a house and you hear there's somebody with a fever, walk up to that person and rebuke the fever. But that's what Jesus does. He goes and he rebukes the fever and it works. The fever leaves her and this lady is joyful and happy and gets up and serves them. That same word appears just two verses later where Jesus rebukes the evil spirit. So the same word is used. And if you just skim over this passage and you, you don't quite focus on what Jesus is there to do, if you sort of miss, was this somebody that was sick? Was it a fever? Was this some evil spirit? Then you might have trouble figuring that out from the second half of the verse. Because Jesus seems to do the same thing with both. He rebukes them. He says, get out. He says, leave. He says, be made well. And so Jesus uses this, this language of authority, of course, because he has this authority, and speaks to the sickness and speaks to the evil spirit, and they all obey him. Maybe to just illustrate that point a bit more, maybe if... 
one of us had been in that situation, we would have gone to Simon's mother-in-law and we would have prayed, Father, thank you that you are here. We ask you that you now please touch this woman and that you please make her well. Right? But that's not yeah. what Jesus does. I've prayed does. many prayers like that in my life. What does Jesus do in, in contrast to that? Yeah. So Jesus doesn't talk to God about the sickness. He, it's very obvious he doesn't talk to God about the demon, but he then also doesn't talk to God about the sickness. He talks to the demon about God. He talks to the sickness about God. He uses the authority he has from God when he speaks loud and clear speaking to the sickness speaking to the demon okay so that's it's a it's close but quite different the one is really looking up to god about something that's in front of you the one is looking straight ahead in front of you at what the problem is and you're talking on behalf of god basically because that's what it means to have the authority that jesus jesus had god's authority and so he spoke there, and he didn't have to look up to heaven. He knew who he was, he knew what he had, and he spoke to the issue at hand, and it obeyed, or it fled, or whatever the need was. So as we continue, keep your ears open for this. Does Jesus pray to God? Does Jesus ask God for healing? Or does Jesus speak to the sickness in the name of God? So I'll continue with Luke 5:12 to 13. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him not to tell anyone, but go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for his cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Yeah, so you can see also from this that Jesus acted in love when he healed people but it was also very effective for his ministry for his work because crowds came you know those days they they didn't have all sorts of advertisement campaigns they couldn't rent billboards they they couldn't even send a photo of jesus around saying hey this famous preacher is around and so jesus could walk down the street and nobody could recognize him even though he's in a way the most famous person in israel at that stage but because he is healing people, people are saying, wow, that's the guy, that's the guy. And it attracts their attention and then they flock to him. And often it's after the, these periods of healing and deliverance that Jesus then teaches them, that he then brings a message more with words. So often the, the signs precede the message, which is the same thing we find in the book of Acts. And this also puts healing in a good place i think that healing in itself is never the end goal jesus didn't just want everyone in israel to be physically well he wanted everyone 
in the whole world. He wants everyone in the whole world to be well on in every area of their lives, to be truly reconciled and in relationship with God, to yeah, in in physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. So when we speak about healing, when we think about healing, let's not elevate healing above other other well-being in other areas of our lives, but also let's not make it small. Jesus was concerned about people's physical well-being and he still is and he still wants to heal to demonstrate his power and to demonstrate his love and if we think back to the study on evangelism in the book of acts that we've done the first question was always what did the people see were there any miracles and in every single instance there were miracles and often there were miracles of healing so it's it it was part of proclaiming the good news the good news was proclaimed by words but also just demonstrated very obviously this is the kingdom of god in the kingdom of god there is no sickness the king has authority over sickness okay let me read another passage luke 5 17 to 26 on one of those days as jesus was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Wow, what a, a lovely story. And one that is a bit different to the others, where Jesus is even using this opportunity to challenge people, to, to teach through it. And he touches on the topic of sin and how it relates to being unwell. And there are sicknesses that are caused by sin. Now, some things can be caused through sin. You might have 
sinned sexually and then become HIV positive. That's not what I'm referring to because somebody else might have gotten HIV positive through blood transfusion or something. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But there are sins that lead directly to sickness. We see Paul addressing this in speaking to the Corinthians, saying some of you are sick and some have even died because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. And so that sounds very harsh, but it shows you that, that God is um, able to also use sickness. I mean, the Old Testament is full of examples where God uses sickness to, to judge people, to show them, and actually to, as is God's heart, to bring them to a place of repentance by making their body weak, showing them their, their need for, for God and to turn back to him. So here, Jesus basically equates healing with forgiveness of sins. And I wish we had more details on exactly what was happening there or exactly why he said that or, or if we could ask Jesus to, to give a commentary on it now, but we don't. But we can see that sometimes uh, people really need forgiveness and then they will be healed. And so in in healing, we also should be careful to note that people might not be healed if they have sin in their lives that they're not repentant of. And that is certainly not always the case. You cannot go to somebody and say, oh, you didn't get healed. Well, where's that sin? That is not what Jesus is showing here. But I do know of people who, after repenting, sometimes even got healed through their repentance and yeah, we won't dig in too too deeply there, but um, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, I think you're touching also on on something here that you are saying sometimes a sickness can be a di direct result of sin, and the human mind, I think, always wants to make a formula. Yeah. And if you now say something like a sickness can be a result of sin, the human mind quickly jumps to, oh, so if somebody's not healed, there must be sin in their lives. So they must go and figure out what sin that is, or I must go and figure out what sin that is. However, we do not find that formula in the Bible. The Bible does not say that, you know, if somebody does not get healed, certainly there is some sin in their lives and that is the reason why they're not being healed. Mm. I think too often we are either oversimplifying or overcomplicating things. But when the truth is somewhere in the middle and there are so many truths in the New Testament that are like that, so many things where if you just jump to one thing, you'll get it wrong. And we really need to take every situation as it comes we need to be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and not just jump to conclusions and not jump to simple explanations. Um, Einstein said everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. Take a moment to think of, about that. It's, it's quite profound. It's very simple <laughs> a saying, but it, it says a lot. And we want to also 
teach and even share the gospel as simply as possible, but not oversimplifying it because oversimplification becomes a lie. And that's also why we're choosing to do this session as we're doing it, to do it uh, a bit circular, maybe to take a lot of accounts, a lot of Bible passages to to share from various angles. And maybe if you're a certain kind of personality, you're maybe a bit frustrated about this. Maybe you're saying, man, just give me the tool. Just tell me what I got to do. But it is not that easy. There isn't just a formula to give. This is how you pray for somebody's healing. We're seeing Jesus is using certain patterns, mm. but he is never doing the exact same thing every single time. And healing in the name of Jesus must always be done in relationship, in relationship with God and in relationship with the person that you're interacting with. Even if you're are wanting a stranger to get healed, you must do that in in relating to them, mm. not just using some formula that you just drop on them and then like a, a magic saying, they'll just be healed. That is not the way of God. The way of God is always in relationship. Mm. In love. In love. Mm.